0: Chapter 5 of Ronicky Doone. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Rowdy Delaney, Idaho, USA. Ronicky Doone by Max Brand. Chapter 5 MACKLIN'S LIBRARY Robert Macklin, Pullman conductor, had risen to the eminent position so early in life that the glamour of it had not yet passed away. He was large enough to have passed for a champion wrestler or a burly pugilist, and he was small enough to glory in the smallest details of his work. Having at the age of thirty, through a great deal of luck and a touch of accident, secured his place— he possessed, at least, sufficient dignity to fill it. He was one of those rare men that carry their dignity with them past the door of their homes. Robert Macklin's home, during the short intervals when he was off the trains, was a tiny apartment. It was really one not overly large room, with a little alcove adjoining. But Robert Macklin had seized the opportunity to hang a curtain across the alcove, and since it was large enough to contain a chair and a bookshelf, He referred to it always as his library. He was this morning seated in his library, with his feet protruding through the curtains and resting on the foot of his bed, when the doorbell rang. He surveyed himself in his mirror before he answered it. Having decided that in his dressing-gown he was imposing enough, he advanced to the door and slowly opened it. He saw before him two sun-darkened men, whose soft gray hats proclaimed that they were newly come out of the West— This one was a fellow whose face had been made stern by hard work and few pleasures in life. The other was one who, apparently, had never worked at all. There was something about him that impressed Robert Macklin. He might be a young Western millionaire, for instance. Aside from his hat, he was dressed with elaborate care. He wore grey spats, and his clothes were obviously well tailored, and his necktie was done in a bow. On the whole, he was a very cool, "'Comfortable-looking chap. "'The handkerchief, which protruded from his breast-pocket "'and showed an edging of red, was a trifle noisy, "'and the soft grey hat was hardly in keeping, "'but on the whole he was a dashing-looking chap. "'The baggy trousers and the blunt shoes of his companion "'were to Robert Macklin a distinct shock. "'He centred all his attention instantly "'on the younger of the two visitors. "'You're Robert Macklin, I guess,' said the handsome man, "'I am,' said Macklin, and stepping back from the door he invited them in with a sweeping gesture. There were only two chairs, but the younger of the strangers immediately made himself comfortable on the bed. "'My name's Doone," he said, and this is Mr. William Gregg. "'We think that you have some information which we can use. Mind if we fire a few questions?' "'Certainly not,' said Robert Macklin. At the same time he began to arm himself with caution." "'One could never tell. "'Matter of fact,' went on Ronicky smoothly, lighting a tailor-made cigarette, while his companion rolled one of his own making, "'we are looking for a lady who was on one of your trains. "'We think you may possibly remember her. "'Here's a picture.' "'And as he passed a snapshot to the Pullman conductor, he went on with the details of the date and the number of the train. "'Robert Macklin in the meantime studied the picture carefully.' He had a keen eye for faces, but when it came to pretty faces, his memory was a veritable lion. He had talked a few moments to this very girl, and she had smiled at him. The memory made Robert Macklin's lips twitch just a trifle, and Ronicky Doone saw it. Presently the dignitary returned the picture and raised his head from thought. It is vaguely behind my mind something about this lady, he said, but I'm sorry to say, gentlemen, I really don't know you, and— why don't you know us broke in bill gregg? Ain't my partner just introduced us exactly said robert macklin and his opinion of the two sank a full hundred points such grammar proclaimed a ruffian. You don't get his drift, ronicky was explaining to his companion. I introduced us, but he doesn't know who I am. We should have brought along a letter of introduction. He turned to macklin. I am mighty sorry I didn't get one, he said. It came to Macklin for a fraction of a second that he was being mocked, but he instantly dismissed the foolish thought. "'Even the rough fellows must be able to recognize a man when they saw one. "'The point is,' went on Ronicky gently, "'that my friend is very eager for important reasons to see this lady, to find her. "'And he doesn't even know her name. "'Here his careful grammar gave out with a crash. "'You can't beat a deal like that, eh, Macklin?' If you can remember anything about her—her name, first, then, where she was bound, who was with her, how tall she is, the colour of her eyes—we'd be glad to know anything you know. What can you do for us?' Macklin cleared his throat thoughtfully. "'Gentlemen,' he said gravely, "'if I knew the purpose for which you were seeking the lady, I—' "'The purpose ain't to kidnap her, if that's your drift,' said Ronicky. "'We ain't gonna treat her wrong, partner.' Out in our part of the land, they don't do it. Just shake up your thoughts, and see if something about that girl doesn't pop right into your head. Robert Macklin smiled, and carefully shook his head. It seems to be impossible for me to remember a thing, he asserted. Not even the color of her eyes? asked Ronicky, as he grinned. He went on more gravely. I'm pretty dead sure that you do remember something about her. There was a shade of a threat in the voice of this slender youngster, and Robert Macklin had been an amateur pugilist of much brawn and a good deal of boxing skill. He cast a weary eye on Ronicky. One punch would settle that fellow. The man Greg might be a harder nut to crack, but it would not take long to finish them both. Robert Macklin thrust his shoulders forward. "'Friends,' he said gruffly, "'I don't have much time off.' "'This is my day for rest. I have to say good-bye.' "'Ronicky Doone stood up with a yawn. "'I thought so,' he said to his companion. "'Mind the door, Greg, and see that nobody steps in and busts up my little party. "'What are you going to do? "'Going to argue with this gent in a way he'll understand a pile better than the chatter we've been making so far.' "'He stepped a long, light pace forward. "'Macklin, you know what we want to find out. Will you talk?' a cloud of red gathered before the eyes of Macklin. It was impossible that he must believe his ears, and yet the words still rang there. "'Why curse you, little rat-face,' burst out Robert Macklin, and stepping in, he leaned forward with a perfect straight left. Certainly his long vacation from boxing had not ruined his eye or stiffened his muscles. With delight he felt the big sinews about his shoulders come into play." straight and true the big fist drove to the face of the smaller man but robert macklin found that he had punched a hole in thin air it was as if the very wind of the blow had brushed the head of ronicky Doone to one side and at the same time he seemed to sway and stagger forward a hard lean fist struck robert macklin's body as he gasped and doubled up clubbing his right fist to land a blow behind the ear of ronicky Doone. the latter bent back "'stepped in, and rising on the toes of both feet, "'whipped a perfect uppercut that in ring parlance rang the bell. "'The result was that Robert Macklin, his mouth agape and his eyes dull, "'stood wobbling slowly from side to side. "'Here,' called Ronicky to his companion at the door, "'grab him on one side, and I'll take the other. "'He's out on his feet. "'Get him to that chair.' "'With Greg's assistance, he dragged the bulk of the man there.' Macklin was still stunned. Presently the eyes cleared and filled immediately with horror. Big Robert Macklin sank limply back in the chair. "'I have no money,' he said. "'I swear I haven't a cent in the place. It's in the bank. But if a check will—' "'We don't want your money this trip,' said Ronicky. "'We want talk, Macklin. A lot of talk. And a lot of true talk. Understand? It's about that girl—' "'I saw you grin when you saw the picture. "'You remember her well enough. "'Now start talking, and remember this. "'If you lie, I'll come back here and find out and use this on you.' "'The eyes of Robert Macklin started from his head "'as his gaze concentrated on the black muzzle of the gun. "'He moistened his white lips and managed to gasp. "'Everything I know, of course. "'I'll tell you everything, word for word. "'She—she—her name, I mean.' "'You're doing fine,' said Ronicky. "'Keep it up. "'And you keep away, Bill. "'When you come at him with that hungry look, "'he thinks you're going to eat him up. "'Fire away, Macklin. "'What's first? "'What's she look like? "'Soft brown hair, blue eyes, "'her mouth is a little big. "'That's all right. "'You don't have to be polite and lie. "'We want the truth. "'How big is she? "'About five feet and five inches.' "'Must weigh around a hundred and thirty pounds. "'You sure are an expert on the ladies, Macklin, "'and I'll bet you didn't miss her name.' "'Her name?' "'Don't tell me you missed out on that. "'No, it it, it was—' "'Just a minute.' "'Take your time. "'Caroline. "'Take your time now, Macklin. "'You're doing fine. "'Don't get confused. "'Get the last name right. "'It's the most important to us.' "'I have it, I'm sure.' The whole name is Carolyn Smith. There was a groan from Ronicky Doone and another from Bill Gregg. That's a fine name to use for trailing a person. Did she say anything more, anything about where she expected to be living in New York? I don't remember any more, said Macklin, sullenly, for the spot where Ronicky's fist landed on his jaw was beginning to ache. I didn't sit down and have any chats with her. She just spoke to me once in a while when I did something for her. "'I suppose you fellows have some crooked work on hand for her.' "'We're bringing her good news,' said Ronicky calmly. "'Now see if you can't remember where she said she lived in New York.' And he gave an added point to the question by pressing the muzzle of his revolver a little closer to the throat of the Pullman conductor. The latter blinked and swallowed hard. The only thing I remember was her saying that she could see the East River from her window, I think. "'And that's all you know?' "'Yes,' "'Not a thing more about her to save my life.' "'Maybe what you know has saved it,' said Ronicky, darkly. The victim eyed him with sullen malevolence. "'Maybe there'll be a new trick or two in this game before it's finished. "'I'll never forget you, Dune. And you, Greg.' "'You haven't a thing in the world on us,' replied Ronicky. "'I have the fact that you carry a concealed weapon. "'Only this time. Always.' Fellows like you are as lonesome without a gun as they are without a skin. Ronicky turned to the door and laughed back at the gloomy face, and then they were gone, down the steps and into the street chapter five.